You're listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number 17. Well, happy Friday to you. If you're listening to this the day it airs, it's the day after Thanksgiving, a holiday here in the U.S. where we stuff ourselves with food and hopefully have an enjoyable few days with our family. It's supposed to be a time when we're reflective and thankful for what we have. But this time sometimes also brings with it some feelings of panic. The Christmas gigs are about to kick into full force. There's that short-term financial stress from buying presents for Christmas and paying for the travel to see family for all these holidays. Sometimes you feel guilt from your family for not being around more because you had gigs, or maybe you just needed the time to practice for an audition that you have. Sometimes hearing about your family member's success and getting a new job or buying a house or having another baby brings up some shame or insecurities you have about where you are in life, and it can start to make you question some of your life choices. It's really quite the perfect storm. So that's the backdrop for today's episode. If you're feeling a little bit of that, we've been there. And I think you'll find some encouragement and perspective from our discussion. Your hosts are Anna Luce, Jessica Wiersma, Christian Marshall, and me. I'm Michael O'Giblin. We are professional freelancers that are opening up the conversation with musicians and performing arts. Our blog and podcast is the creative and freelance side of orchestraexcerpts.com, which is a resource I created for learning audition excerpts. And if either of these endeavors have been helpful for you, would you consider supporting our work by becoming a patron of the show? With your financial support, we can improve and expand our show. Just visit perservice.co slash patron to pledge your financial support of the show. You can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Now, here's the show. Just out of curiosity, how many of you... As in like the three of you, plus all of our freelance musicians out there who are listening. When having finished giving a rather modest summary of what it means to have mastered an instrument and live as a performing artist, you've been met with the question, and you make a living doing that? Uh, All the time. I I know Jess has. She wants to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, if you're anything like me, I'm so instantly filled with disgust for like the ignorant person in front of me. And I wish I could all of a sudden summon a trumpet mute into my hand and then like shove it down their throat and walk away. <laughs> Trump, Tr- Trump just something mute. large, you know, yeah. like, I like that. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah trombone. And I yeah. <laughs> cartoon style. I, yeah. Because I'm of course like, duh, I make a living doing this. Hello. But then I thought about it recently and I wonder if, The harsh reaction, because this also just happened recently. My wife, Maria, is now the conductor of one of the local wind orchestras. Wow. Band orchestras. Yeah. yeah. Because she has, Uh she was in hers for 15 years, has conducting experience. Anyway, so now they got her for this position and she was telling a friend about it. And then they were like, is that a good job? Like, do you get paid? (laughs) And it was so, you know, so ignorant about it. And then, and of course, like we were like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, offended. But then I wonder if... This harsh reaction is actually because the answer to that is not always so clear. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just a clean cut answer. Like, of course I make money doing that. And I wonder if we get that, 
because of this anxiety we have when we live a life that's gig hopping, you know, from like project to project or maybe short term job to short term job. And yeah, so that's what I thought we could talk about today. A little Mm -hmm. bit of this anxiety, this short term money related gig anxiety of do I really make a living from this? Like, Christian, are you maybe inferring that we sometimes struggle with insecurity? No. (laughs) Okay, yes. Maybe a little bit. Are you implying that we do call it our job, but we're not always paid for it? Yeah, it's not a clear cut answer. <laughs> yes. And I think sometimes it's frustrating if we're really insulated and we only are around other musicians. It seems very normal that, of course, this is a job and this is what I've worked on my whole life. And it's not just some hobby. But really, to most humans, they have no idea what it's really like. And there are a lot of musicians that are just the weekend warriors that are, you know, they have a regular job during the week and go play a concert, go play a bar, bar band, uh, you know, top 40 cover band or something on the weekends. And that's to them, that's what being a professional musician is, is it's just this like, go to your work on the week for so that you can live the dream on the weekend. It's a hobby. A lot of people just assume it's a yeah. hobby. <laughs> that, that reminds me, actually, there was a, a really famous session musician in Nashville. I was at this session and um, he finished playing and the producer or, or whoever was in the booth was like, wow, that sounds really great. And he just looked at them and goes, well, it's not a hobby. <gasps> nice. Oh. <laughs> well, and don't- <laughs> yeah, and I was like, it's kind of insulting, but also hilarious. <laughs> I was I was on a date once and this guy was asking me about, you know, what I do. Uh-huh. And so I was telling him and then he goes, so what's your real job? <laughs> and I was like, bye. Oh, yeah. No, I got that literally when we were moving here. Uh, we were considering getting a mortgage to buy a house and we moved here for my wife's job and she had this study job, but I didn't have anything lined up because I was just continuing to freelance. And the mortgage uh, broker was like, so let's talk about your incomes. Um, so Angie, you're, this is like your job. And then um, for you, Michael, are you going to be getting a real job here? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I was kind of, I was insulted sort of in the moment but at the same time i realized like you're you're a mortgage broker all you care about are these numbers and me having 15 different jobs doesn't look great on paper (laughs) it looks questionable and don't you think i don't know just this thought just came to me don't you think that maybe for the older generations too for any musicians they knew either they were in a major symphony it was full-time and they got regular wages like everybody else or they did it as a hobby. I feel like this new wave of making a path where it's not, you know, study income in a major city with their symphony is maybe still new a mm-hmm. new thought, unfortunately. Maybe that contributes to people's presuppositions about us. That, but I also think that in the States, or actually, no, just maybe the world over, there are two types of freelancers. The ones that get more respect are kind of the people that in a way open up their own business or kind of market themselves and and they let the work come to them. You know, I'm a recording engineer. I have my own studio and then the people come to me to record. They might not be booked out all the time, but like people come to them or maybe, you know, this small business owner. Of course, actually, they're a freelancer, you know, they're they're working for themselves, but people come to them. And as a freelance musician, we have to go to people. And so I think that that, that is just a general sense of insecurity that a lot of people don't deal with on a normal basis and don't really want to get familiar with. So it's easy to just be like, is that a real job? Or like, how can you make money doing that? On the totem pole, we're probably as, as low as you can get 
as far as not having a steady job and then having to go look for the the work that we do have. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's further complicated because it's not a need. It's very much a luxury for a lot of people. If you look at it as it is entertainment, I hate sort of diluting the art form to that as just entertainment, but essentially it's not, it's not a need. For instance, I had to get a bunch of work done on my car and it was something, it was work that I had to get done. Like I have to have my car to get to work. I had, so I had to pay like all this money for it and it caused me a lot of anxiety because it was like, ah, how am I going to afford to pay for all this? And it was just really frustrating because it was like... Being a mechanic is just like the easiest thing. It's just like everybody has a car. They always break down and you have to pay an arm and a leg to get it fixed. Whereas just like being a musician, it's frustrating and it caused me a lot of sort of big life questions like why do why do I still try to do this if it's so much work and it's just there's just it's not a need. It's just this luxury for so many people. So all that to say is there was a little bit of a frustration that the product is a little bit of a luxury and not a need. It's not this like bleeding arm that you have to get fixed, but you are a business that you have to start thinking like a business and that you're not going to always just get work by people calling you and keeping your head down and playing your notes and going home. Okay. Well, like the mechanic, yes, on average, he might have a certain number of cars come through a week and if he does a good job fixing them, then they will come back. You know, like a repeating customer. Those one-time customers will turn into repeating customers. And we also have that. You know, if we play well at a gig and people like us, they'll invite us back. And then sometimes we turn into the repeating customer in a way. And then these gigs become regulars. Now, of course, we have those one-off gigs, things that we do that are great. And we might do them every couple years if it's a special festival or project. But I, I would like to know how many of the gigs that you guys have on average, whether it's per season or winter, summer, fall, whatever, how many of those are regular? How many can you actually count on? Because I find that those things that I have that are regular are easier for me to explain when someone asks, what do you do? Then I can say, well, I play with this group and this group. And then rather than have to explain, I'm a freelancer. And especially when the question comes up, what does a typical day look like? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I have like, 365 oh. for you to choose from. So pick one. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> pick one. <laughs> pick it. Oh, yikes. That's a loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. But for example, okay, I mm-hmm. have, there's a symphony orchestra that is here in town, nine full symphony concerts a year, four Baroque projects, a festival in the summer. So this is really steady. And you get that schedule far in advance and you know I'm playing all these concerts. Exactly. Yeah. I've been scheduled for all nine. Two, I have to cancel because I'm most likely out of town. That's easy for people to latch on to or kind of understand what I do. Maybe do you ever find that that's as far as you need to go? As far as explaining it to somebody, it's like, I don't have to educate you on all the ins and outs. All you want to hear is I have something that's stable. Exactly, because if I say, well, I'm in this orchestra, they don't have to know that it's only a third of my income or a quarter of my income. They can, they usually just assume, oh, okay, well then that's where he makes his money, fine. Maybe they don't even think that far to just think like, okay, that's the job. I think... Yeah. It's crazy. Now, now when I think about it, telling you guys, it's like, wow, that's actually not a huge percentage is, is 
so regular or stable. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but, but they keep coming. Like Yes, I agree yeah. with you. And you can say, I play with X, Y, and Z places. Sure. That's great for, you know, other people to understand. But then as a musician, I still don't count those as being stable because unless I'm contracted, I mean, every time could be my last time, mm-hmm. you know? So it is like, um, so you think thing. it's more of like a false mm-hmm. sense of stability. Like Absolutely. It's, it's, I, do I do because, yeah. you know, like right now I'm playing with this one ensemble a lot. And the truth is that that could end any moment, honestly, because I'm not mm-hmm. contracted with them. I used to think that if you're on the website, then like you're doing great. You're a regular. But when I first came to New York, I was a regular with something that, and I don't get called for it anymore. And honestly, I was pretty hurt about it. And I know that there are more qualified people and I think I might still be on the website, but (laughs) (laughs) the point is like, you know, sometimes you get things, you think that you're convinced they're regular and then they end up not being that. And, and for the public or whatever, I used to say, well, I'm, this is my title. Like when I was in um, DC, I, I would stick to this one title, but I didn't actually get paid for that, even <laughs> though it was what I was investing the majority of my time in. Yeah, it's your job, but you don't always get paid. And that's why being a musician is so full of anxiety. And like right now I have several regular things. I would like to call them regular and I'm contracted with this one group for this whole season, but you know, it could be taken out from under you at any mo- moment. And on Broadway, it's the same way, like Subway, mm-hmm. you never know. They could just cut you if you, they don't like you one day. Well, and not just that, but you know, the show could close and it will at some point. And at some point it will. Yeah. And then you have, right. you're out of it again. Well, and for the people that do get books, that's what it's called on Broadway. Like that's mm-hmm. my book. You don't say mm-hmm. score or music or whatever. Or I didn't know that that was news to me, but anyway, if you get a book on a show and the show typically runs for a year, maybe two if you're lucky, or if it's a big hit like Hamilton, hopefully that'll be around for like ever, which would be great. Or like Les Mis or, you know, some, I think the longest running show is on for like what, 15 years or something crazy. It's like Cats. Yeah. Cats, which is back now. Um, but wow. if you have a book and you've been on a, like a regular sub for other shows, but you get your own book and then that show dies, then you're just back into the sub pool and it's hard, you know? So even if you get stability for a year or two, you're not guaranteed to have that long-term. And Mm -hmm. our concept of stability, I think is different than people who have what we might consider normal jobs because we still, for the most part, we're not salaried. Like we're still, especially it's right on Broadway. Even if you're the, like you have the book, you're still paid per service. Correct, Anna? I, yes. Right. Because you can, because you can call get out of up to 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Like that. And so it's, it's tricky because I think as musicians, we like having that flexibility for sure to be like, okay, I'm going to take this other gig. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to get somebody else to do this thing while I'm gone for that week or whatever. But we still don't get salaried. We don't get benefits unless you get one of the very few jobs that offer that. And even that you have to get through your tenure process. For me, there was almost more stability in having a variety of jobs. Like the more I could spread myself out and have multiple income streams from all these different orchestras or from playing weddings or from playing a couple recordings or a couple other like pop concert stuff, still playing violin, not, I don't, I don't moonlight as a drummer or anything like that. Then if one of them dropped or one of them fell through or or something, then I'd still have all these other different ones to sort of share the load. And this sort of happened to me when I had a, I had a C contract in Memphis and so I was just playing the Masterworks concerts, but I knew that I was playing like 10 or 14 
Masterworks concerts a year. And the last year I was there, they had to take a 37% pay cut. And so basically they reduced the number of concerts from like 14 to like seven or something like that. I mean, that'd be, that's too many. But it was something essentially like that where they dramatically reduced the number of concerts. And so it, it didn't make as much sense for me to keep driving over there to play that many concerts. So I sort of started picking up more work in other places because that was actually, it was the longest drive for me. And I always had to stay over for the whole week. And so it was kind of a drag just to it for as little concerts. But for the people that were salaried members that played every concert that had like the A contracts, that was really devastating for them because it was, that was like their one job. And so in a sense, I felt a little bit more fortunate because I had all these other orchestras that I had been constantly for the last like three years had been playing with and, and had been playing like maybe every other concert with them or something. So I just started picking up more that were closer to where I live. Yeah. I I do feel, especially in these, in these trying times that having a contracted position, you know, a full-time symphony gig. I mean, yes, that's great, but it also doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. I mean, look at Pittsburgh and Philly right now, Atlanta, Minnesota, Indianapolis, a couple years ago, Memphis either have taken pay cuts or they have had strikes and then you go to, you're not making anything. Mm -hmm. But so, so Michael, when you're saying that you have like this kind of variety of places that you play, Mm -hmm. How does that work out for you during like the busy months? Specifically, I'm thinking like Christmas time, basically for, for us, as soon as Thanksgiving is over, it's gigmas season. It's on. You know, which I like to like Christmas, gigmas. And it's kind of like all of the gifts at once for us because this is one of yeah. our busiest times. So like, how does that work for scheduling and are you even able to do everything and what does it bring on more anxiety than the season already does? You know, really, I, I kind of hate Christmas now. I hate to, I hate to say it. <laughs> no, you hate Christmas season. I hate Christmas season. I kind of in a little bit hate December just because it's usually, there are so many gigs and you want to try to pack as many gigs as you can because it's just like you're leaving money on the table if you're not saying yes to everything, right? There's sort of this mentality of like, you just have to say yes and grab it while you can because January there's going to be nothing. And so you have to, in a sense, like save up in December because January is going to be slow. Add that onto all the shopping and visiting family and all the extra expenses that come with the holidays. It's, it's a lot of stress. I mean, there were days in Nashville where uh, I was playing three Christmas gigs on a Sunday. You know, I would, I think at one time I did three different morning Christmas services at three different churches. There was like an early morning, like 7am, there was 1030. And I think, I don't know, maybe there was an afternoon. I don't think it was all three in the morning. Well, that's amazing that the schedule, the schedule actually worked out for you to do that. Oh yeah. It was crazy. And so I would traditionally always do this and, and you would book things out. Like literally I, I would have in March, I would be getting calls for, for Christmas oh gigs because it, it was everybody, like everybody has a gig. And so everybody's all booked. And so the contractors need to really nail down who they're going to get. There were even some, there was a church in Brentwood that you would play the Christmas concert. And then after the gig, the contract would be like, so next year it's going to be on December 14th at uh, 730. Oh so can you be like, I'm just going to put you in the calendar now. So literally I would have Christmas booked a year in advance of like, which one? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I I will say the last two Christmases for me have not been good here, honestly. I've had a couple of lessons and carols things, but I've been like, hey, 
certainly more violinists are needed for the right. Messiah. So I've had like a slow two years with Messiah, although now it's it's kicking in high gear with a Nutcracker and Messiah. Right. And also I will say <laughs> the craziest gigmas thing I've heard of recently, now living in New York and just now hearing about this, they do a... You know, the Rockettes do a Christmas uh-huh. spectacular and a spring, a spring spectacular, yep. the Christmas spectacular, everyone auditions for. And it's yeah, like pretty it's nice like gig. sharp elbows. I had no idea. They performed something like 186 times in four weeks. <laughs> One hundred. Oh not real. Are you yes, serious? Yes. There is an hour and a half show. How many it's shows do they do a day? Sometimes like six, sometimes six shows in a day. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So you must and make a billion dollars though. I think you make a billion dollars and, and I'm pretty sure you split. I don't really understand how it works, but sometimes yeah, like, you split the chair with somebody. So you're you and your partner. So like you're uh, probably playing 50%. Okay. Um, it might be more than 180. I would have to, I was yeah. just playing a, like, I know several people who are doing it or who have done it. And I believe mm-hmm. there are blackout dates too, where like, you can't like, you are locked into these certain dates. So like, even if you're sick, you have to go. <laughs> and so like everyone ends up sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just like packing and coughing. It's like the and, craziest gig miss I've ever heard of. I was like, what? Oh and then part of me is like, do I want to audition for that next year? It sounds bad, yes. but money, so many dollars. Yeah. I think it's worth any, trying anything for, <laughs> for a year. And then yeah. if you're like, no way. And they re-audition everyone every year. There's they're like six Ooh. people maybe that are tenured, and then the rest of the people have to do it again, which is wow. great. So again, talk about the insecurity and the instability we have. You get this awesome gig, and there's I mean, awesome in terms of money. Okay, maybe not in terms of schedule or whatever. But and then you it's no guarantee for the following season. And that's what is just so, it's yeah. so tricky. Like, for example, I played, I have done these two Christmas Eve gigs literally for 15 years. So my whole Christmas Eve, I'm working from probably like two in the afternoon to usually like one in the morning. It's a very long day, it's a lot, but it's good money. And somehow this year I have lost both of them. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, so I'm out a lot of money. But also, what's Christmas Eve hmm. actually like? <laughs> <laughs> because I've never not worked on Christmas Eve. So I'm so excited for you, though. It, it could be cool. And it is also going to be weird. Yeah, I, I'm the opposite because I was a pastor's kid. I always played for free every holiday. <laughs> and it's the same with um, my husband's church. Like whenever we're with his family, we just so I've never had an actual Christmas Eve gig that I get paid for. Really? So I kind of envy that. Wow. I mean, we, you know, that's a little bit. So I, I sort of had this realization about freelancing and trying to cram as many gigs as, as you can is that how much financial difference is it really going to make if you cancel one gig because it doesn't pay enough so that you can take another one for maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars more and cause all this stress in your life and really worried. Oh, like, oh, am I playing the best gigs this, <laughs> right. this week? Is because it's like there's really only two or three weekends in December that are, that you can really play concerts at. And really, I mean, even if you zoom out from that, as a freelancer, there's only 52 Saturday nights in a year that most, when most concerts happen. If, if you really are just making money just from just performing, you really kind of can max out how many 
performing days there really are. Okay, because I there are a lot of freelancer people I know that don't seem to stress out about money or at least maybe not show it. I think it also comes down to whether or not you're good at budgeting. Being a freelancer requires a certain level of plan ahead, you know, like how much money will I make in that month? Because and what if this gig falls through? Or what if this gig that I played two months ago still doesn't pay me, you know, when things pay late? It's not like I play on Saturday, I get paid on Saturday. Sometimes it is like that, but mm-hmm. quite often it's not. I, I find that aspect of being a freelancer incredibly yeah. difficult when you see the bank account draining mm-hmm. and you're like, but I'm playing. Why is it not going up? <laughs> yeah. What? That dichotomy here is not so cool. Yeah. Because I think, especially in the beginning of your freelance career or moving to someplace takes a while to get established. You know, sometimes it's not even possible to have a budget because you're not making enough money. Yeah. That's where I've been recently. Oh, like I I can't have a budget because every dime I make goes into your life going into paying my normal expenses. And like, I'm not buying extravagant. I'm talking about basic, (laughs) basic bills. No, but there are people who, when they get the money, they go buy extravagant things instead of saving because, you know, it's like, well, that bill's due in three weeks. I'll pay that later. Yeah. Or it's sort of like, oh, finally I have money. I can go live like a normal person. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I guess like eat for me, like I'm not even making extravagant money. (laughs) Mm-hmm. with those gigs. And so I, this year I'm finally starting to get to the point where like I might have a really good month that with gigs that paid well. And so I know I could pay my rent in the next month, even, even if I don't get another gig that next month, which is then huge. You know, you're feeling great. I can't tell great. you, I feel like my, my blood pressure has lowered a little bit, Yeah, you know, yeah. but I do think Christian that you're right. I, I think musicians are pr- pretty notorious. <laughs> Maybe everybody will get mad at me about this for not being great with money. And I think part of it is because it is so feast or famine with us and we get it. We're like, yeah, let's go out to dinner because we've never been out to dinner. <laughs> it's a luxury. And then, um, we go week months sometimes, especially summer is really hard for for me, at least, I don't know. Everybody has different things. No, but summer is hard. Yeah. I think sometimes it's because we are not in a position where we can even budget. However, if you can budget and if you can get that one gig that you know will pay your general living expenses, budgeting is really helpful. I also think, though, with the seasons that we are in, Gigmas and Christmas, this is a time where all of our insecurities really can start coming out once we're at home or traveling to visit family and friends. Oh. And you see how they are living. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. not even that they're living extravagantly. That's a, the, the holidays are really one of those times when it's like, oh, maybe yeah. is it time for a career change? Or, you know, just what do you do? Because they're all, it's not a stressful thing for them to go to these family gatherings. And by stressful, I don't mean because of family. It could be stressful for family reasons, mm-hmm. but I'm talking financial. Financial, right now. Yeah. Well, and if your sibling's buying a new home or like, right. you know, or getting even, a car. Oh, great. I'm so excited to have a new member of the family, like whether it be a niece or nephew or whatever, but that's another present. Or, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, or you're like, hey, I barely bought you guys Christmas presents, so... <laughs> Right. It's like right. my budget is $20 per yeah. person. And I had- so stop duplicating. Uh, them. Yeah. So I do think that this is when our insecurity comes out and our anxiety, yeah. which leads to the desperate need we feel to take every single 
Christmas right. gig. Like it all works together. In concert. Ooh, very musical. Oh, it yeah. works concert. <laughs> this is the uh, I, the British conductor that I'm working with, and he says he says things like this: "It has to work in concert," you know. And, and you're like, "Oh, then." I mean, anxiety and gigmas, financial problems, working in concert. In concert <laughs> to lower your life expectancy. Ooh. Ah. Ooh, too far. Well, I will say my husband and I have been married for like seven years and we lived mm-hmm. paycheck, gig check to gig check for a long time. And we still are here and there. But I will say, like you're saying, Jess, sometimes you don't even have the ability to budget. You just have to pay your dang bills and pray that you have money for food. Yep. And I've definitely been there many a time, especially because when I was sick, I couldn't work. So I was literally not contributing, which is, is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are in a two person musicians setup. <laughs> which Christian understands too. But when Christmas season is coming up, that used to be, in, it was summer and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they're not that far away from each other. It's like you get hit twice really hard. <laughs> Even though Christmas is shorter, you know, sometimes you have to spend more to travel to family or whatever than you would necessarily in summer. So summer is a longer time where you feel the famine. And then winter is shorter, but the stress yeah. is still very present. Yeah. And I, I think I will say sure. like, what I would have liked to have said to my my younger self is that it's okay if you need to take a job at the holidays that's in sales or whatever. It's actually not the worst time of year to work because everyone's kind of in a better spirit, hopefully. Depends mm-hmm. on where you live and what job you take. But <laughs> if you're not me, right? Most people are happier around the holidays. <laughs> and if you're not Michael the Grinch, yeah. <laughs> the Grinch of Christmas, Michael but the, the violin, the violin Grinch, I, I think it's completely acceptable to take a holiday job and maybe we'll alleviate some of that burden. You know, sometimes you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Just don't be ashamed. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Don't be ashamed of what is required to mm-hmm. make it through these seasons that are dry. There, it is conflicting with money because a lot of times we're around wealthy people. Like for performances, there's around wealthy people and there is sort of this culture of extravagant living and even a lot of musicians and maybe they came from wealthier families, but there's a really, con- there's a big conflict because your income that you're making is not the same as the people that you're around. And there's a lot of pressure sometimes from family that you, oh, we want you to be here for the whole week or we want you to be here for two weeks. And it's like, I cannot turn down this work. And sometimes you have to sort of stand up for your work that this is my livelihood and this is what I do for a living. You know, I'm not playing a Christmas Eve gig because I don't want to spend time with you. Right, because this is going to pay my rent this month. Yeah, yeah. I, I or, and, and I need to build up savings for January. I think uh, budgeting, get get yourself some Dave Ramsey or, or uh, Susie, what's her name? Or whatever. Orman? You know, or, Orman. Yeah. Su- yeah. Suzanne, yeah. Susan Orman. <laughs> Suzanne Orman. Uh, I think it's actually Suzy, but I, is it Suzy? I, I, I don't, oh, I don't know. Suze. What do I know? Suzy, <laughs> Philip, yeah. oh, John Philip, John Philip, get yourself. John get yourself. I didn't know he also had a budgeting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you get your budgeting thing, and and I will say Suze? too, just like a little PSA for musicians. Uh-huh. Um, we figured out that if you are going to have a credit card, you need to like optimize your points, like use points for travel. If you're a traveling musician, over you know you mm-hmm. need to really do some research if you're going to have credit cards because there are bonus opportunities that you can have instead of just using cash and not getting any cash back. And that's true. You know, so whatever system works for you, but yeah, the sooner you can learn to budget, the better your life will be when you have more dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even, I mean, just, just a little, some little things is if you can do some tasks yourself, uh, take that with a grain of salt. I mean, what do you mean tasks? I stopped 
Uh, for for instance, I learned to cut my own hair, and I cut my son's own, own hair. You cut your yeah, own hair, uh, Michael. Like, That's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I would never have hair. Well, that. Guys, yeah, it actually looks good. really good. Yeah. I am impressed well, because well, I learned how to cut Greg's hair, but like I can't imagine cutting. Yeah him cutting his own well because it's like you can spend 15 20 bucks or whatever and also the time to drive there sit there for an hour and drive back i don't know that that was an easy one for me that was just like it's not that complicated you can figure it out ladies i would like to give us a slight pass on that it is a little bit more complicated for us also yeah that 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 one i'm not advocating that for women also to the hairstylists in my family that listen we're not undermining your career no no (laughs) like my nephews are both with hairstylists. <laughs> so cutting my hair was an easy thing. I really like coffee. And so I've started roasting my own coffee. And it's just like, you can get, you can make really expensive coffee yourself at home for just a fraction of the price of what you pay at, at the store. So that was something that was just like, just little things that you can save a couple bucks here and there. Yep. Really adds sure. up. Absolutely. And there are, there are all, all sorts of things. I'm not advocating like not buying toilet paper or something like that. Like I, I still have standards. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe, but maybe we can do um, an episode that's like a savings. Like let's hit all the things that actually would be helpful to that's younger people. That's a great idea. Savings. Greg would be a super idea. I'm right. Yeah. Excuse Greg Marie can, would love that. Yeah. Get down. We can bring mm-hmm. Greg in for some amazing credit card tips from the points guy. I actually Ooh. want to take some copious notes on those credit card tips. Yeah, this whole this whole topic of short-term money anxiety and stuff, I totally get it and it's it's real and I think also like you said Anna, it's not something to be ashamed of. Like if there's other work we can take, whether it's getting a job somewhere or realizing another skill that we have to offer people and take on jobs. I think that's fine. But one thing actually uh, an ex-professor of mine had said was to make money, you have to spend money. And I think that's actually, that's been really positive for me because Mm -hmm. even though like I might be worried about, you know, can I pay for this trip to the States or can we take this vacation or are we going to pay rent next month or whatever? Don't let that cripple you. Don't be afraid of you know, if it's your anniversary, going out to dinner somewhere or buying yourself those shoes you really wanted that are now minus 60%. I really do believe that the gigs will come, you know, don't be, don't be frivolous with your money, you know, use it wisely. But I think trust that the gigs will come and, you know, keep doing your best. Don't let fear cripple you as a freelance musician. I think that's really just a disservice to yourself, a disservice to the arts. Go out there. You can do it. There have been a ton of people before you that have been able to do it. Chin up, you know, keep calm and carry on. Yeah, absolutely. I think being crippled by fear works in so many elements of our craft too. And, you know, uh, Michael touched on this a little bit. For example, sometimes you have to take a Christmas Eve gig. And like for this this year, as an example, my parents are having, it's their 50th wedding anniversary. The day after Christmas is when we're able to celebrate. And it's our holiday to spend with them. We like trade, uh, Greg and I do with his parents and mine. And I turned on a Christmas Eve gig because all of my family will be at Christmas. But I'm able to do that financially this year. And for Thanksgiving, like Greg got a filming job. So we're having to change flights to go to Thanksgiving for his family. And we've had to truncate that trip. And I think not only in Gigmas, but throughout the year, you do ha- you are going to come across hard decisions. It might be spending mm-hmm. time with friends or family or not spending money or, or yes, spending money. But you can't let that anxiety take over your life. You absolutely have to weigh your costs and your options and just make the best choice in that moment. 
and whatever you have peace about and knowing that, you know, life happens and things will change. Like everything's going to be shaken up at some point or another. You know, next week, my dad's having major surgery that I didn't plan for and I'm having to move gigs around. This stuff is always going to happen to us as freelancers. And so I think we just have to be ready Mm -hmm. to take on whatever comes our way and just deal with things as gracefully as you can. I mean, that's yeah. all you can say, really, because if you if you allow that anxiety to manifest, you're not going to feel well. You're going to be stressed out. That can cause all kinds of problems. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. So you just have to take one day at a time and make the next best choice each time. Amen to that. The title of this podcast is Words of Wisdom with Christian and Anna. <laughs> now, yeah, I have nothing to add. That's no, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, we seriously, stole it all. we stole it. That was sometimes it's just getting through that the day. And, uh, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's just a busy time. So just take it one day at a time and make the best choices. Drink some coffee. Yeah. I think going along with what Jess said, I think sometimes you just have to be gentle on yourself. Like don't beat yourself up that sometimes we can be the hardest on ourselves. And a lot of us would never talk this way to another person about like, Oh, I gotta be better. I gotta pull yourself up and you gotta figure that if you gotta figure life out, give yourself a little bit of, of a break. And sort of the second idea I think is reconnect with your why of why you're being a musician, why you're doing it. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in in figuring out oh, how I'm going to pay the bills and how I'm going to make enough money. And why did my car cost so much money to repair? Yes. And like, ah, maybe I should just quit being a musician and become a mechanic so that I can make that kind of money. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why are you, why would you want to do that? Like you became, <laughs> you didn't become a musician because you wanted to make all the money. So like if, if that was true, something's going wrong. So reconnect with that. Ah, I became a musician for a multitude of reasons and to make the most amount of money isn't really one of them, but there are lots of fulfilling and rewarding things about having a life in the arts and being a musician and just the luxury. I think that we get to process all these things and that we don't have a job where you punch in and someone tells you what to do and you just keep your head down and work and you punch out and you're miserable. So there I, in a sense I would trade every day the having, having this dilemma, of of figuring out who I am and and what I want life to look like for me. I would take that every day over having no autonomy and being told what to do and having someone giving me orders like that. That's just that's an easy decision for me. So I actually thought of something to add Mm -hmm. on the practical side at this time of year. Always, always, always keep your calendar up to date and always have it with you. So that you do not double and triple book yourself because that doesn't go over well. So on a very practical side, keep your calendar up to date. (laughs) Check your locations of where you're going to make sure you can get from one place to the next before the next week starts. That is all. Very wise. Very wise and necessary in these busy seasons. (laughs) From from life experience, people. That's why I offer. Also, for all the tech people listening, could you just invent the teleporter already so that yes, I could get from, I could take so many more gigs if I could as soon as like one was over, I could immediately be at the next if one. If could do it on Star Trek, why can't we do it? Right? Yeah. It's 2016. Why why can't that exist? Because everybody's been making phones smaller and thinner. Yeah, boring. Need- you got it. They're small enough. Move on to the next. Thing. I don't need a, a smaller phone on my on my wrist. I need a teleporter. Okay, get on it. <laughs> okay, are we done? Okay, Everybody we're done. Do a good job at Gigmas. Bye. Yeah, I'm Michael Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Weersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. 
Well, that is our show, folks. Again, firstservice.co slash 17 is where you will find the points and the links that we mentioned in this episode and just more information about who we are. You can follow along with us during the week on Instagram. We are at Podcast, and This is one of our primary forms of communication. So if you have a question you'd like to ask, just send us a message. We'd really love to hear from you and see your hashtag gig of the week. And if you've been enjoying the show, would you please, please just take a minute and leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really helps other musicians find our show. And for instance, Rachel S.C. wrote recently, I really enjoy the down-to-earth conversations about issues relevant to the working musician. Thanks for the insights. Wow. Thanks, Rachel. I mean, that's awesome. We really appreciate you. And we read all of these reviews. And we would love to read the next review on air as well. We'd like to say a special thanks to Kathleen Lavengood and Siri Bloom for supporting the show on Patreon. You fabulous ladies are awesome. Thank you so much for your support and for believing in us. And if you would like to join the community of supporters like these fine ladies, head over to perservice.co slash patron or just search for the show on patreon.com you can join us again in two weeks as we look back at the year and what we've learned until then take care of yourself and each other oh wait no that's not that's not it uh be well and practice well that's it Do we get oh. oh, can you do a Christmas trumpet? Christmas trumpet? Trump- we need Let's Christmas trumpet. Like Christmas Hallelujah. trumpets. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah is better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bye. I actually can't do it while I'm laughing. <laughs>